Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. That's right. This train is building up ahead of steam each and every day that we are on. So what I want you to do is grab your ticket, get on board, enjoy the ride. This train is going to take you on a journey, turn some corners, and maybe pick up a few passengers along the way. So what do we have on tap for today's episode? Even I don't know that. So the best way to find out is tune in and enjoy the ride of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. And we're about ready to get this train on the track. So stay tuned. It's the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast and my new segment called Outside the Box. That's right, where I talk with guests and it is not sports related. To let you know what's going on in and around the area to those of you who are listening to this podcast and you're in the Wichita area. Today, hopping on the train. I am elated to have my own kinfolk, my own bloodline. She's just as crazy as I am to hop on a train with the guy that's never had a license to operate a train. She is the owner of Trinity Financial Services. Her name is Ajane Bennett. Please welcome her to the show. Ajane. Hey, hello, hello, everybody. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Glad to be here. Absolutely. As a programming note, let me get this out the way, or as they say in radio terms, doing a little bit of housekeeping. My original guest, I didn't get to get in contact with, as I put it out on my earlier podcast this week, Kevin Harrison. We will touch bases next, but it's good to know that you got people that you can just call them up at the last minute, spend about five, 10 minutes getting them on, and everybody needs some financial services and some type of insurance, and Ajane has been doing this for quite a long time. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you started in the financial service and insurance business. Well, I have been in the industry for um, about 16 years. I've owned my own brokerage for the last 13 years. Uh, And I decided to become a broker agent um, after working for United Healthcare in their customer service and claims department um, because people were calling in with concerns and bills and just not really understanding the plans that they have. And I was unable to help them on that side of the business. I needed to become an agent. Um, After becoming an agent, I realized that you need to be a broker because uh, insurance is something that everyone needs. I say it's like a good pair of shoes. Everyone needs a good fit for them. Um, So that's why I represent all the major companies, and we do individual consultations, free, no obligation, to sit down and see what your Medicare needs are. We, I specialize in consulting for Medicare and a fixed index annuity placement of 
uh, rollover funds from your 401k to protect them from uh, further loss, being exposed to the market, and still allowing them to earn tax deferred and avoiding probate court for your uh, relatives in the future. So um, I do a lot of educating uh, and seminars um, throughout the city. Um, I'm licensed in multiple states and I love what I do. Um, anybody that was born uh, in 1957 uh, will be turning 65 this year. So you need to know the information that I offer. Um, it's crucial. Medicare and Social Security are two of the main pillars that our retirees depend on. So I'm here to help. And what are some of the products that you have to offer that are very helpful to us? Well, first of all, we need to come to a uh, educational lunch and learn and learn what Medicare is, how it works, uh, the pitfalls of Medicare. Um, do I really know what I think I know about Medicare? Is Medicare free? And I'll just toss this one in there. No, it is not. And yes, they gave you the biggest raise that we've seen in 40 years as far as the cost of living raise, but they also increased the cost of Medicare by 14 and a half percent. That you don't hear too much about. So basically, as the cost of living goes up, so does everything else pretty much, huh? It does. It does. And so we want to make sure that we have the right insurance because there's different types of Medicare insurance. There's Medicare supplements that you have to have a part D is in David that takes care of your drug plans and those will have higher premiums. And then we have the Medicare Advantage plans that offer what I call some of the extra things like dental and vision and even other things, assistance with groceries and utilities. And most of those plans, not all of them, but a lot of them come premium free. That means you do not have a monthly premium to pay for those plans, but you need to understand how those plans operate before you decide to take one. So basically you are the owner, the broker, and the educator when it comes to the different types of insurance, the different types of Medicare, Medicaid that we need. Am I correct? When it comes to Medicare, I am the Medicare queen. Yes, I am. I, I enjoy what I do very much. I stay educated and up to date on what is going on in the industry to be able to help my clients maneuver this, the world of Medicare. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, all right then. So tell the listening audience how they can reach you. I have an office here in town, Trinity Insurance and Financial Services, located at 1999 North Amadon, Suite 115. And the phone number at the office is 316-832-1182. And I, um, like I said, schedule seminars for organizations, churches, uh, individuals, and there's no cost for those things. If you want to schedule a lunch and learn, um, call and speak with me or my office manager, and we'll let you know how we can get that done. Well, all right. I do thank you for letting me just grab you along the track, snatch you up on the train and give out some very value pertinent information. Once again, on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, outside the box episode, my 
dear cousin, Ajene Bennett. Thank you for joining the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you. And we will be right back after a word from my sponsor on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. You're listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. Once again, very special thanks to my guest on Outside the Box, uh, Janae Bennett, owner of Trinity Insurance and Financial Services. For all your insurance and financial service needs, check her out. Anyway, I'm back from my other segment here. And in basketball, players have their way of establishing their dominance on their team. And I'm from Wichita, Kansas, to those of you who may be hearing this story elsewhere. So this story kind of hits close to home right here. And it's basically how players establish dominance on their own team. Well, this story headline is how Xavier McDaniel established dominance on his team. He often walked around the locker room fully erect after games. There are different ways of displaying leadership and dominance of an NBA team. Some players stay relatively relatively quiet and lead by example, while others try to be more vocal and expressive with their thoughts in order to show who the boss is. But none of those compares to the way Xavier McDaniel showed he is the man to his Sonics teammate in the 1980s. X, Xavier McDaniel, also known as X, is far from one of the greatest players in NBA history, but his impact and legacy in the 80s and 90s are undeniable. The six foot seven forward, mostly known for his days with the Seattle Supersonics, had a couple of great seasons averaging 20 plus points per game well those first few sentences says he might not have been one of the greatest but i tell you what he was one of the toughest anyway known for his days with the seattle supersonics had a couple of great seasons averaging 20 plus points per game as a matter of fact if memory serves me correct he was part of an nba team that was the first to ever have three players averaging over 20 points a game in a season. That would be what you call your original super team. I believe it was Xavier McDaniel, Dale Ellis, and I can't think if it was Tom Chambers might have been part of that team. I'm not sure. Hopefully anyone that hears this and can remember will 
helped me out with that. But there were three players on that team that was averaging over 20 points per game. That, once again, like I say, would be your original super team. McDaniel wouldn't even notch one all-star appearance, but primarily serve as a valuable starter or bench player for his teams, playing the role of an enforcer. A tough and strong player that really epitomized that era of NBA basketball, McDaniel was known for his confrontational nature that often put him into altercations with his opponents and even teammates. There have been numerous times X-Men got into it on the court, got into on-court brawls, but his opponents weren't the only ones in harm's way. McDaniel often tested his teammates and got into physical altercations in order to establish dominance. A short stint in New York. Even though McDaniel is primarily known for his days with the Sonics and Celtics, X had a one-season episode with the Knicks in 1991-92. At that time, the Knicks were starting a great decade full of successful seasons and unique characters that were epitomized by the likes of Pat Riley, Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley, Anthony Mason, and John Starks. Putting McDaniels into that group was a good fit, but it didn't last long. Still, his impact was felt, getting into a fight with Anthony Mason on the first day of practice. In his new book, Blood in the Garden, Chris Herring covered that moment and revealed some fascinating stories about the 90s Knicks and their players. One bit at the very start of the book is pretty crazy and unique, as it is described how Xavier McDaniel showed his teammates that he is the man. McDaniel prioritized manhood, specifically his own manhood. According to McDaniel's teammates in Seattle, he often walked around the Sonics locker room fully erect after games, hanging towels on his, okay, hardened member. Also, he fought people, and he fought them constantly. Well, that sounds like a weird sight to see in the locker room, but that is just how Xavier McDaniel was. He didn't particularly care what others thought, and he had no problem establishing his dominance one way or another. If someone even tried to call them out for it, they would have to be ready to throw hands. And that is the last thing you want to do with the X-Man. Just one from countless amazing and never-before-heard stories from Herring's Blood in the Garden, an excellent read for NBA fans. So what a fascinating... This is one of those deals I'm going to definitely have to reach out to some people and ask, did you hear this story? Because there were some other stories about Xavier McDaniel. Uh, If you ask Gary Payton, which Xavier McDaniel, I happen to have talked to him on a radio show. He strongly denies that that happened in keeps asking why come Payton even put that out there, but long story short, he put Gary Payton in practice in a sleeper hole. That's the story. That's Gary Payton's story, and he's sticking with it. But Gary Payton will say, to Xavier McDaniel's credit, it made him the man and the person that he was, and will testify to this day that the day...
I was a voter on the panel because I believe you get graded for the body of work. Now, is it Patrick Ewing's fault that he was injured? No, those things happen. My rookie of the year, not just because I saw him play Wichita State, but just because of the body of work, would have been Xavier McDaniel first. <laughs> Wayman Tisdale. Another story I want to also talk about before I take my next break. It's kind of sports related, kind of not sports related, but HBCU schools were targets of bomb threats leading into this month. And apparently they have found a suspect behind these bomb threats. And uh, I'm getting ready to pull that up for you right now and give that information to you before I take my next break. And then when I come back, I will go heavy on some sports. The FBI has identified suspects accused of making threats to HBCUs this week, officials say. The FBI has identified people suspected of making bomb threats this week directed at historically black colleges and universities, which the Bureau is investigating as hate crimes, a law enforcement official said. No arrests have been made. At least 14 HBCUs reported bomb threats Tuesday, the first day of Black History Month. At one of them, Howard University also got a bomb threat Monday. We've had these challenges before, Howard University President Wayne Frederick said Tuesday. But since I've been here as a student in 1988, it has not been this widespread and also, I think, this overt. The investigation into the bomb threats is of the highest priority for the Bureau and involves more than 20 FBI offices across the country, the FBI said in a statement. Although at this time no explosive devices have been found at any of the locations, the FBI takes all threats with the utmost seriousness and we are committed to thoroughly and aggressively investigating these threats, the agency said. The FBI declined to provide further information due to the ongoing investigation. I'm uneasy, said Calvert White, 22, a student at Jackson State University in Mississippi. HBCUs have a long history of physical threats just because... Atlanta, Spelman College student Saigon Boyd said she saw an email about a threat Tuesday morning. 
like how my grandparents were. Boyd said she is more disappointed and annoyed than anxious. I just feel that a lot of time has passed for us to keep going through this same pattern of racism. So there you have that piece of information. I know this is the A Train Sports Talk podcast, but sometimes this news even affects what goes on even on the sports side because there were some cancellation of some games or postponements being pushed back until they got the all clear. Now, what's going to happen when I come back to my next segment? We're looking at the Super Bowl that is about to take place. However, seeing that this is Black History Month, what I'm going to do is, on this segment, I am going, on my next segment, that is, I am going to give you some black history in Super Bowl, such as first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl, the first black coach to win a Super Bowl. So, what I want you to do is stay tuned. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. And I would also love your feedback as to how you think the content of this podcast is going. So stay tuned. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. I'll be right back after this message. The A Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith, wanting to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener. So if you want to advertise or sponsor a segment, simply reach out to me at 316 553 2010 or hit me up at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com to get your ad or sponsorship ran on this podcast. Once again, a train sports talk podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. You're on board the a train sports talk podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith. Enjoy the ride.
Welcome back to my last segment. It is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. And in this segment, we're going to have to take you back. As I said, leading out of my last segment, that I was going to give you some history. Seeing that Super Bowl is up on us, I figured I would give you some Super Bowl talk as it relates to black history. Yes, you're going to get all that right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Uh, Don't worry, if you are used to the Battle of the Bands, you will still get that. That will be my next episode. But right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this history. The first black quarterback to play in and win a Super Bowl. That's right. We're going to take you back in time to January the 31st, 1981. Doug Williams leads Redskins to Super Bowl victory. On January 31st, 1988 in San Diego, California, Doug Williams of the Washington Redskins, now known as the Washington Commanders, becomes the first African-American quarterback to play in a Super Bowl, scoring four of Washington's five touchdowns in an upset 42-10 victory over the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. Denver was favored to win the game, and they started strong as star quarterback John Elway threw a 56-yard touchdown pass to Ricky Natil on the team's first play from scrimmage. Williams injured his knee shortly thereafter and was replaced for two plays by Jay Schrader. By the beginning of the second quarter, the Broncos were ahead 10-0. All that changed, however, when Williams and the Washington football team or the Washington Redskins at that time began to obliterate the Denver defense, scoring 35 points in the quarter. The scoring onslaught began with Williams' 80-yard touchdown pass to Ricky Sanders, which tied a record for the longest pass in a Super Bowl game. Williams scored three more touchdowns in the quarter, finding Gary Clark with a 27-yard pass, hitting Sanders again for 50 yards, and finishing with an 8-yard toss to Clint Didier. For the fifth score of the quarter, Williams handed off to rookie running back Timmy Smith, and Smith headed along the right sideline for 58 yards into the end zone. Sanders and Smith set their own Super Bowl records that day. Sanders for receiving 193 yards, and Smith, for rushing 204 yards. Denver never recovered as the then Washington Redskins, now known as the Washington Commanders, scored once more in the second half to put the final score at 42-10. to 10. Though he downplayed the race issue of his legacy, Williams made history in more ways than one in the Super Bowl. His four touchdowns in the first half tied the Super Bowl then record for most touchdowns thrown in an entire game. Also in the first half, he passed for 306 yards, just 25 short of the Super Bowl record 
for an entire game. Williams broke the record set by Joe Montana in the previous Super Bowl in the third quarter. So there you have a little bit of black history as it relates to the Super Bowl and Doug Williams being the first African-American quarterback to play in and not just play in, but also win and set records in the Super Bowl. And seeing that this is Black History Month, yes, you will get plenty of black history from me. Matter of fact, I should be ashamed of myself because I should be giving you some of that, not just this month, but every day. But this is my podcast. I'm the program director, the producer. So things will change. Things will definitely change. Not for the worse, but for the better. Because if you can't recall your history and remember where you came from, how will you be able to get to where you're going? And in keeping with this, I'm going to give you some more. How about Lovey Smith and Tony Dungy? In the Super Bowl. Yes, that's right. Black history and sports history made on February the 4th when two African-American professional football head coaches, Tony Dungy of the Indianapolis Colts and Lovey Smith of the Chicago Bears, led their teams to the most popular one-day sports event in the U.S. and one of the most popular worldwide Super Bowls. So, let's just dive into this. How did Dungy's Colts beat Smith's Bears? Well, Dungy's Colts defeated Smith's Bears 29-17 behind a dominant defensive performance. Indianapolis held Chicago to a mere 265 total yards and intercepted Rex Grossman twice, including a fourth-quarter pick six from Kelvin Hayden to seal the game. So that's just the, the skinny on it. Let's get into the meat of the story. Black History Month, Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith coaching in Super Bowl inspired the generation of players. Pittsburgh's Mike Tomlin is one of the only active African-American head coach in the NFL, despite 70% of the league's players being black. Now, what this article actually said is Tomlin is the only active, but there have since been some changes made. Former Dolphins coach Brian Flores' suit against the NFL for racial discrimination in hiring practice highlights that disparity. African-American coaches have enjoyed major success in the NFL, most notably when Lovey Smith's Chicago Bears met Tony Dungy's 
Indianapolis Colts in Miami for the Super Bowl. It was the first Super Bowl featuring a black head coach and just so happened to feature two. CBS Sports Football analyst Bryant McFadden, London Fletcher, and Kevin Carter were all playing in the NFL at the time, and this Black History Month shared their experiences as players during such an historic moment. McFadden, a two-time Super Bowl champion, said the moment meant everything, and especially if you're an African-American. It didn't matter who won that game, said Fletcher, a four-time Pro Bowl linebacker. We weren't sure that there wouldn't be an African-American head coach to win that game. And for us as African-Americans, it was just a moment and something that I will never forget. Dungey's coach defeated Smith's Bears 29-17 behind a dominant defensive performance. Indianapolis held Chicago to a mere 265 total yards and intercepted Rex Grossman twice, including a four-quarter pick from Kelvin Hayden to seal the game. Carter, a former All-Pro defensive lineman, said the game was monumental because it showed African Americans and everyone else they can lead a team to the very highest level if given the opportunity. You see yourself in all these in all these pioneers that have come before you, and it's a reality," said Carter, a CBS Sports analyst. "It's something you, as a young man, are able to wrap your mind around. What a powerful benchmark just to mark time in our lives, and to show us how far we've come, and still how far we still have to go." Dungey was the first black coach to win the Super Bowl, and the aforementioned Tomlin became the second after his Steelers topped the Arizona Cardinals just a couple of years later in the Super Bowl. So there is some black history moments there for you as it relates to the NFL and as it happens to have been on the grandest stage of them all in two separate Super Bowls. Well, that is going to do it for me, but I will bring you some more history, some more sports in the days to come. So, as I always say, keep your tickets because they are reusable. When the train comes your way, just hop on board. I'd be glad to have you. Once again, very special thanks to my cousin, Ajane Bennett owner of Trinity Insurance and Financial Services. And as a programming note, just to remind you that this podcast is listener support. So maybe you have a small business and you want to support a particular segment that I do. It could be the halftime show. It could be outside the box. The coach's corner is already sewed up. That doesn't mean I'm not looking for more sponsors. So if you want to sponsor a segment, just reach out to me at a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com. Or you can even call 316-553-2010. And if you want to sponsor or have a commercial ad ran, 
I guarantee you I have the lowest prices. But until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. Hope you have enjoyed the ride as much as I've enjoyed being your host and conductor. This is Anthony Smith. Be blessed. <laughs>